Principal Matters Podcast, episode 228. Hi friends, this is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week I want to talk about tactical, operational, and strategic leadership during times of uncertainty. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com. If you're listening to this at the time of its recording, we are stepping into the middle of January 2021. And although there have been some unbelievable events happening at our nation's capital, I want to focus today's conversation on your own leadership in schools during uncertain times. And I want to talk specifically about leading during times when change seems to be constant. Years ago, when I was transitioning from assistant principal to high school principal, my superintendent gave me an assignment to map out goals for the next three years of my school. And what was helpful about this assignment was the long-term planning required, determining Where I wanted our school to grow in the next three years meant taking a hard look at student data as well as understanding my school's culture, community, and resources. In essence, my superintendent was asking me to think strategically. It is the strategic vision that helps us define the overall purpose and mission of our schools. But strategy is ineffective unless it's followed by action. So I also needed organizational and tactical applications. Enter my staff, my teachers, my students, my school community members. Leaders cannot implement strategic vision without the input and relationships of the people with whom they're directly serving. And as you've learned through this school year and others before it, but especially during times of change, you cannot lead alone. Now, you may be asking, how do I work tactically and operationally and strategically during a time of pandemic and constant change? How do I respond to the pressures I'm facing with current social and political unrest without addressing any of those events directly? Let me just first unpack the terms tactical, operational, and strategic and ask you to apply them with me for a moment. First, let me unpack them through a military application. A few months ago, I interviewed Colonel Brad Rutman, on my podcast. And Colonel Rutman, who is an Air Force officer and a fighter jet pilot, talked about tactical, operational, and strategic leadership from a military perspective. And if you missed Colonel Rutman's interview, you can go back to previous episodes and listen to that great conversation that we unpacked in two podcast episodes. But in the military, tactical leadership involves the boots on the ground, those involved in the activities, the personnel who are involved in maintaining equipment or delivering weapons, for instance. Now, the operational side includes the day-to-day management and the coordination of systems and protocols and policies that govern implementing the work at hand. And then the strategic leadership involves understanding the purpose of the overall mission and communicating what's ultimately at stake as the entire organization, in this case, a military branch or division is involved in successfully accomplishing its mission. Colonel Rutman told a story of when his commanding officer came to visit his division of maintenance operators at the end of one of their work days. 
The commanding officer wanted to see them increase the speed of maintenance on aircraft so that pilots could accomplish more flights. So he began to talk to them about strategic concerns happening in rival countries around the world. And Colonel Rutman noticed the maintenance personnel members were only politely listening. Frankly, he could tell they didn't care about the strategic mission at all. They were at the end of a hard work day and all they wanted to do was head home, pick up their kids from school, or go to football practices. Now let's apply this to school. Your staff, your teachers are the boots on the ground, the tactical personnel in working with students in learning and well-being. Principals and building administrators often function as operational managers in organizational leadership. You're the ones who hire personnel or oversee site budgets or guide instructional outcomes. District leaders are tasked with that strategic leadership, understanding the moving parts of the entire school system, including the policies and school finance and oversight and compliance, and developing and relaying the mission of the collective community. But for the people you serve, I can guarantee you that often what they care most about is what's right in front of them. For parents, they want to know if their kids are making good grades and learning. For students, they want to know if they can still be a part of their favorite sport or activity. For teachers, they want to know what their, what their roles and responsibilities are right now. So to meet the needs of your school community, you have to pay attention to the tactical, the organizational, and their strategic, even if you're not communicating out to others all of those areas on a day-to-day -day basis. Now let's take just a moment to unpack what this means in broad categories. Several years ago, the National Policy Board for Educational Administration put together the Professional Standards for Education Leaders, a document shared by almost all the national associations that support school leadership development and higher education institutions that teach educational leadership. Just like we unpack standards for students, this report identifies the 10 standards for strong educational leadership, including number one, mission, vision, and core values. Number two, ethics and professional norms. Number three, equity and cultural responsiveness. Number four, curriculum instruction and assessment. Five, community of care and support for students. Six, professional capacity of school personnel. Seven, professional community for teachers and staff. Eight, meaningful engagement of families and community. Nine, operations and management. And 10, school improvement. Now, I know that's a mouthful, especially to try to listen to in an audio episode. And it's easy to hear that list and see why you may feel overwhelmed. Principals in particular have such wide-ranging responsibilities. In any given day, you as the principal may be managing decisions involving placement of services for a student identified with severe and profound disabilities, while minutes later observing and evaluating instruction for a teacher of advanced placement calculus. You may be supervising students during a passing period, followed by a meeting with a guiding coalition of teachers and students and community leaders, or maybe you are writing a weekly newsletter one minute and then attending an evening school board meeting just a few hours later. The list goes on and on for how you consistently manage the tactical, the operational, and the strategic responsibilities under your care. And then throw into all of this managing during a pandemic. 
suddenly you are asked to restructure entire school master schedules for in-person, virtual, or hybrid offerings. Your district may be in a highly populated area where in-person instruction is impeded by high infection rates. Or perhaps you're in a rural setting where your school began in person, but now you have so many adults testing positive, you no longer have substitutes available to service students, so you have to pivot to virtual instruction for the first time. Throughout this entire school year, the strategic tasks involved in educational leadership have often been eclipsed by the tactical and organizational requirements of meeting the basic needs of students, well-being, and instruction. So how do you lead? How do you keep leading in this kind of new reality? Well, first of all, let's just acknowledge the obvious. School leaders are being asked to task things that are so far beyond their control. And that's important to acknowledge because you can only control what you can control. And second, it's important to recognize that you are being asked to manage change. And change is stressful and always results in some kind of resistance. Now, if you're still with me, let me park there for just another couple of minutes. Several years ago, Britt Andretta wrote a book called Wired to Resist, the brain science of why change fails and a new model for driving success. Andretta's studies show that our biological reactions to change are evident in the different cortexes of the human brain. So here's a quick science lesson. There are three things that happen to your brain when it's confronted by change. Number one, the fear response. The amygdala is the part of your brain that reacts to change with flight or fight reaction. Even in organizational change, our amygdala kicks into gear when we are asked to do something new or innovative or disruptive. And as educators, you know that disequilibrium is a powerful force in creating learning opportunities. But people cannot operate or think clearly when they feel deeply threatened by change. And that is why when we're facing deep change, we as leaders have to guide and direct and coach with patience. When we do, we help relieve some of the stress that naturally takes place when the amygdala floods the brain with danger alerts. And I know that many of you have been managing in situations where people's fear responses are where they're speaking from. So first of all, be aware that that is natural. Number two, the personal GPS. The internal cortex of the brain helps you navigate new settings, situations, or changes. Sometimes people react to new environments with curiosity, while others react with panic. It's important to understand that when someone is either optimistic or resistant, they still have an uphill climb mentally when they're facing a new change. Think back to the first time you worked in a new school or classroom. Until you figured out a place for everything and had organized that new environment for habitual use, you burned a lot of brain energy adjusting to a new environment. And that same stress happens with any other changes. Upgrading your email, website changes, curriculum mapping, pandemics, all of these things introduce new tasks for your team members and your students in your school communities. And when this happens, your personal GPS, the internal cortex of your brain, has to reset to navigate 
to move forward, to memorize new patterns, to establish new habits. This is why many leaders I talk to have spent most of their year establishing new norms. Whether they're in person or serving virtually, they're working harder to establish routines so they can reduce the risk that happens with constant change. So your brain responds in fear. It responds by creating new habits. And number three, the basal ganglia creates embedded routines. It's the third part of your brain that Andretta describes in her book. And this is the part of your brain that helps you move from identifying these new patterns to memorizing them and storing them into your brain as newly learned habits. The longer you practice an action, the more ingrained it becomes in your muscle memory. And this happens because the basal ganglia transfers information into stored memory that if practiced long enough can eventually become almost second nature. Here's a quick application. Understanding how the human brain reacts to change can help us realize that resistance is normal under the best circumstances. During a normal school year, you try to look down the road and plan for change in advance. But in times like we are experiencing now, you're often managing change on the run. So tactical, organizational, and strategic leadership are still important, but they have to be kept within the context of, what, of how you lead through resistance. So how do you apply this to what you're experiencing right now? I spend a lot of time speaking to principals across my state and across the nation and even across the world. And here are some things that I'm learning that may be helpful for you to keep in mind this week as you continue to manage the tactical and operational and strategic roles of your own leadership. Application one, work your plans. Many schools with strong organizational plans for either in-person or at-home instruction have still been serving students well. And I know there's a lot of pressure for school leaders and teachers to feel like they must be back in school as normal and serving at high levels of performance. And the truth is that no one is doing this perfectly yet. Some are experiencing more success than others. And for those I'm seeing that who are feeling some success, it is often because they've developed plans and they are executing them with as much consistency as possible. So just like before pandemic, during pandemic, if you have a plan and can work it consistently, you reduce stress. Number two, remember when a new process becomes routine, it becomes more manageable. One thing I'm hearing from many leaders who are beginning to find themselves walking into the new semester is that some of them are actually beginning to find some stride in their new school protocols. That means that they begin to do this long enough that they're creating new routines and habits. And at the same time, when surges in community infections change overnight, they often have to pivot back to virtual learning, depending on how many adults are available to serve kids. So do not beat yourself up if you're managing conditions beyond your control. The safety and the well-being of your students and staff must still come first as you respond to these changing circumstances while holding on to the processes and routines that you've committed to. Number three, you still serve as a powerful influence in maintaining patience and calm. I know you know this, but a leader's measured response during difficult times sets the tone for others. And we certainly have seen that nationally. You will not do this perfectly, but if you keep your mind and you keep your patience and you keep your composure, then 
you're helping to model that for others. It's okay to admit that things are stressful, but keep treating others like you would want to be treated when you're asked to change. Number four, find ways to celebrate success while maintaining a sense of optimism during times of uncertainty. I'm still hearing wonderful stories from principals who take time to recognize student and teacher success. Just this past week, a friend of mine, Kim Cootie, the principal of Glenpool High School outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, had a teacher who was featured in the nightly news because he has been identifying a different student every single week to interview online and celebrate their own personal stories, as well as helping students figure out ways to contribute and get back to their communities, especially those being affected by COVID. She shared this out on social media because she's still finding ways to celebrate student success. Even though your communication with parents is more often about schedules and plans, still take time to give kudos to others. And number five, keep tabs on your staff and your teachers. One principal this week, Samantha Bartram, a principal in California, told me that she has made it a point to reach out to each of her teachers for one-on-one feedback. And when she does this, it allows her to hear their voices in ways that she may not hear them in larger settings. Keep building trust in your staff so that they know that you care and want to listen. So let's wrap this up. At the end of Britt Andretta's book on Wired to Resist, she gives advice for how to take proactive steps for your own self-care during times of implementing change. And I thought this was so important because as she explains what happens to the brain during change, she also reminds readers that you can do something about your own self-care while walking through change. And three areas that she touches on that I'm not going to take time to unpack now are self-care, mindfulness, and play. Just like you increase good nutrition and sleep or vitamin intake to increase your chances to stay healthy during past flu seasons, for instance, taking care of yourself, your mindfulness, your body, your mental health allows you to better manage the stress that happens in your own brain, in your own body, and your own emotions during times of change. So now it's your turn. In the days and months ahead, you still have a far way to go before pandemic conditions improve and vaccinations begin making a significant difference. So thank you for the ways that you have led with courage and sacrifice and patience. But whether you are managing tactically or operationally or strategically today, you are doing so during times of enormous change. And it's okay to acknowledge that. Leading in uncertainty is hard. That's why we need leaders. So how can you plan ahead while also giving yourself permission that it's normal to be stressed during times of change? How can you Practice patience in the ways that you interact with anxious students or staff or community members. How can you give yourself a break and those around you a break as well? And what is one action that you can take today or this week to keep caring for yourself so that you can keep caring for others during times of uncertainty? Well, I hope that is helpful as you continue to lead and serve this week. Thanks again for doing what matters. And I'll talk to you again soon. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.